Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Hey, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. This is John. Jennifer, breaking it up. And this is Kate. We went the opposite direction. Now everybody's all thrown off. (laughs) Well, we missed last week because uh, Jennifer, the Colby clan had the COVID. We did. We had the Coco, the Rona. The The Coco? The Sharona. The the panoramic. But what's funny is I'm just going to call you, I'm going to call you C cubed. Colby clan COVID. Oh, I I think, I, I think I like it. C cubed? The Colby clan, Colby. I actually really enjoy calling you guys the Colby clan, though. Or clan Colby. That also sounds fun, too. Yeah, it sounds Scottish. It's Scottish. Who are the Colbys? Well, that was not Scottish. That was the worst Scottish movie. (laughs) Have you ever had somebody who doesn't know how to do accents then tries? Sean Putman, who goes to our church. all the time. Sean Putman always sounds like a drunk German, no matter what the accent is. You could be like, talk American. He's like a pirate. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard. A German pirate. A German. Well, well, anyways, we didn't do sir, we we didn't do podcast last week because you were sick, but you did preach on Sunday. Yes. And uh, so now this is actually after the fact. So this is really the breakthrough breakdown post sermon. <laughs> we're actually discussing. So we're going to talk about this week's last week's sermon with Jennifer, which I got to tell you, you knocked it out of the park. Thank you. Um, especially being sick. Uh, I really, I, I thought it was a great, great word. Uh, gospel is preached. And then Derek is preaching upcoming, this coming Sunday. And then we're heading as a staff, there's eight of us going to the Right Now Media Conference in Dallas, Texas on Monday, which I'm super excited about. I'm excited too. Um, well, hey, let's let's bring this back down. So we're we're in the book of Galatians. We're doing this passport to Galatia. And we've been exploring or really kind of walking through what's going on in the Galatians church. And, and Jennifer, just kind of remind us, kind of sum up what you talked about on Sunday, if you could put it in a real quick summation, and then we're going to just talk a little bit more about it. I just totally put you on the spot. I know. You're... I know. I was like, oh, well, here's a good opportunity to learn what I've been learning the last two weeks. Yeah. It's like It's like the confirmation chair that Derek talked about. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, do I really know? I it, Basically, what was happening is that um, there were some Jewish leaders, some of them who had actually uh, became Christians themselves. They were forcing new Gentile believers to follow Jewish customs, one of them being circumcision. That was a a big one because that was a sign of the covenant with God in the Old Testament. And um, and so they were saying basically, well, yeah, the, the gospel, but plus you have to do all these other things. Yeah. And so it really kind of hit hit off this summer when we, we spent a lot of time talking about Jesus plus and and it was that that's exactly what was happening in Paul's time. He was yeah. like, hey, listen, either this is true or it's not true. And if it's and if if we can't agree upon this, and this is really going to affect our belonging together. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, we actually the way you handled it was really funny talking about Titus and circumcision. Awkward. <laughs> Forever immortalized. And we were, so at Sermon Read Through today, we were kind of joking about it. Like Paul, every once in a while, he shares details about people's lives and who they are. So like, I wonder if he's like, oh, I'm totally getting Titus back. <laughs> Titus, who chose not to be circumcised. That's a little TMI, Paul. Or, or, or Titus being like, do it. I dare you. I dare you. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if 
they, you know, looking, if they could, you know, look back on it from now being like, oh, I shouldn't have wrote that. Well, and I mean, I think that's, uh, that's what you ended up putting in the Bible. Oh. <laughs> that's inspired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so this actually is interesting because for our culture and then as much as you talked about it, and I think your husband made a comment. Yeah, I was like, hey, what'd you, what did you think of church? I think I've heard the word circumcision a lot the last couple of weeks. <laughs> and someone said you said it more than I said Tove. Yeah, which I would like a recount because, no, Tove was way more than circumcision. I don't think so. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you right now. I said Tove 126 times, I think, in one sermon. <laughs> yeah. But everybody knows what Tove is now. By the way, I'm super excited our Tove shirts came in. Yeah. So it's. I think I'm going to wear that in Dallas. I oh, think that'd be fun. I think, and then people are like, "Dude, where'd you get where'd that? Where'd you get that? My church." Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, "You could check out our church online, and then our online." <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things that that is interesting is um, Paul actually, when he began his missionary work, started going because he felt called to the Gentiles. Peter was called to go to the Jews, and so Peter goes to the Jews to to share the gospel. And here's the thing: much like Saul, who later became who changed his name to his Roman name, Paul. Um, Jews didn't really, it's not a conversion as much as them stepping into what God always called them it's to It's like be. a fulfillment. That's right. Not a conversion. And uh, so one of my, my best friend in high school, uh, his mom was a Messianic Jew. So she was raised Jewish. Uh, her family disowned her when she became a Christian, only stepped back into her life when her kids were born. And I still remember staying over at Nana's house. We would do, we, did you guys know I was in a drama group in high school? I did not know called that. the Christophany Players. Oh, what? <laughs> yes, I did drama, but it was the scripts were more like ad libs, which is why I'm not mm. a. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> here and there. But uh, so Saul, and we th- I talked about this a few weeks ago that Saul didn't really have a conversion. He had a fulfillment. He didn't realize he was persecuting the Lord that the Old Testament had always been pointing to this Messiah that was Jesus. Uh, he needed his eyes literally opened. <laughs> literally, yeah. And he had, I mean, his eyes, he was blinded. And so there's a lot of stuff going on. But as Saul was going, or Paul was going to the Gentiles, even Paul realized, and I, I, it doesn't tell us a whole lot about it, but that as he was going to these Gentile communities, this whole idea of circumcision was actually getting in the way of the gospel. Yeah. yeah. And you pointed out on Sunday that a lot of the Gentiles were willing to, I don't know if excited is the right word. I don't know if anybody would be excited about being circumcised as an adult. Um, but they, if that's what it took, they were willing to. And I think the, the Judaizers, this group of Jewish believers who were adding this, I wonder, and again, the Bible doesn't say anything about this, but I wonder how sometimes we can think that because people are willing to do it, that means it must be right. And, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit in our sermon read through and other conversations we've had as staff. Sometimes we fall into things that we think are really important for Christianity. The Bible never talks about, and we almost yeah. equate them. Uh, and that doesn't mean they're always bad. Now, circumcision was a different thing. Uh, in Acts chapter 15, uh, Paul meets with the council at Jerusalem. And he actually goes to them and is like, listen, I'm going to bring it to the council. And I think Paul probably would have done it regardless. But realized that if he wanted the gospel to really, the gospel he was preaching, to really continue to move forward, he needed the council's approval, so to speak. And it was filled with James. He needed and, everybody to be on the same page. That's right. Yeah. Because he didn't want to, I think he was tired of come, constantly coming up to this. Yeah. This up is not the us. battle we need to be fighting here. Let's all that's get right. on the same page. And and Paul, and I'm going to be preaching about this in a couple of weeks. We see Paul has a lot of conflicts with people. 
Um, more so, we I think the only person who had more conflicts than Paul was Jesus. Do you think Paul was an Enneagram 8? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, I, I really do. Um, but he goes to the Council of Jerusalem and basically says, listen, I'm bringing this to you. Do you think Gentile believers should be circumcised? Because it's getting in the way. They don't want it. And ultimately, they agreed. If it's hindering the gospel, we should remove everything that should get in the way of the gospel. And I think about us, and we talked about this this morning in our Lutheran tradition. We are a Lutheran church, and we're not going to lose that distinctive. We're not not non-denominational. We have a rich history in Lutheranism. Non-denom. Oh, jeez, Louise. I've never heard that. Neither have I. And it's awesome. This is a really weird thing that I do, because it's like, that's such a Christianese word to call it non-denom. Yeah. what is that? It's not even a real word. It's a, it's a, like a it's short a slang. Um, it's a slang of, of a Christian, Christian word. word. It's a slang so of. So when a, people say non-denomina, it's like all I think of is. is Menomina. 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 Something you made up. Yeah. That's funny. But so like thinking about this, Derek on Sunday talked about confirmation. Confirmation is nowhere in scripture. Right. And that doesn't mean it's bad. In fact, the idea, so you had the catechism or, or, um, in the early church, because Christianity was outlawed, um, it, you didn't always know who was safe. And so they, they wanted to make sure that somebody really belonged to this thing called Christianity, even before baptism. Yeah. Well, so think yeah. about how free we are with baptism. Yeah. In the ancient world, in the first century church to be baptized, they actually started getting very protective of it because you had literal spies from Rome, not just Jewish spies who were spying on the freedom. Yeah who were coming in and pretending to be Christian and then reporting them to the Romans. And then you'd have churches. So they started having, um, they started creating these catechisms, these classes to make sure that is this person really in before they even allowed him to be baptized. And now here we are. And we honestly, as a church, we're like, listen, if you profess Jesus, do you love Jesus? Do you want to get baptized? Do you understand what he's done? Great. We baptize. Yeah. Um, but confirmation originally the goal of confirmation is to make sure that a child growing up isn't just saying I'm a Christian because they attended a church. But here's the question. Is it necessary? And I don't mean from a Christian education standpoint. Can Sometimes can things like confirmation get in the way of the gospel? That's why I love the way that Derek set up his message. You know, we're doing it before he gives it, but I think this will air after he gives it. Yeah. Um, I love the viewpoint he took on it where it wasn't that, yes, absolutely, confirmation could get in the way. The the line that he said where it was, you know, something that should ignite my faith almost extinguished it because of the the shame that got in the way of it. Sitting in a chair and and being grilled about your scripture memorization. Or the work and not the not the hard work piece, but the good works piece. Mm -hmm. And Yeah. yeah, that's. And so, and and I think that becomes. Oh, sorry. Kim, no, I you're fine. Talk. And I was just gonna. I was, I was just kind of thinking as we were talking about that, like, but there's a beauty to it too, where it's like almost this informed consent, where it's like, no, I looked into this. I did the hard work. I know that this is what I believe. And even Derek's like the parallel when he's talking about Pastor Derek, when he's talking about going to seminary, whether or not he wanted to do that. He's like, do I actually? Will I come out of this being Lutheran still, knowing all of the information? There's almost a beauty of not knowing, because you can say, I believe this, but do you even know what you don't know? Yeah. Like, do you know what you're saying you believe? Whereas this this confirmation gives an ability so you can say, like, yes, 
I do know what I'm saying, I believe. When I stand up here and I say, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of my life, and I'm professing it in front of my community, because I know. Yeah. yeah. And you But know? then the question becomes, and, and this actually, last week you talked about spiritual elitism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so here, I don't know if it's a thing, but I felt no, like it, it was happening. No, it is. It's a very yeah, much, totally, it's a, yeah. well, it's been a real thing as long as the church has been around and even yeah. before the church. The Pharisees were the spiritually elite. Like you had everybody else, and then you had the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were even looked at as better than the priests because the priests were corrupted by Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think about sometimes, sometimes the things that are meant to be good, we twist them and make them bad. Yeah. And in the process, we lose the beauty of them. Uh, and I think or can lose. we can. Well, and I, I think sometimes what's happened in churches because they're, they've been so hurt by that spiritual elitism yeah. that now you have churches that want nothing to do with it. Yes. And they escape it because now it's it's fruit from the poisonous tree, yeah. so to speak. It goes both ways. We were talking about that, too, today about spiritual, almost like spiritual it's, elitism. But it's like there's the traditional and the contemporary. It's like on one side, you're like, oh, I don't want to go into that contemporary side because I want to hold on to this yeah. traditional Because this building is where God dwells. Right. And we talk about it where it's like now now, now your church tradition is getting in the way of what the spirit is yeah. could be moving and changing in you. But it goes the other way, too, where it's like, oh, I'm. No, I'm. I've been burnt by traditional church. Yeah. Like I would I never, could go, never back. go back to that. You yeah, know? that's not. Yeah. You know, you're stuck in your way where you're almost to the other polarization of it. Where it's like now you're getting in the way again. Well, or even how about the ones in contemporary? And I was guilty of this. Oh, they're not really worshiping because they're not. They're not singing loud. They're not raising their hands. There's not. Right. When I was in the charismatic movement, and I, I, I'm charismatic with a seatbelt. I'm still charismatic. Mm-hmm. Um. But it was so easy to judge and go, well, they're not worshiping because worship is supposed to be expressive. And the Bible is clear. Worship should be expressive, but that's not the only form of worship in music. Yeah, Or the only form of expression. Expression. That's That's right. To be still, Uh if if that's not your natural state, I mean, Jason and I are constantly bouncing out of our seats. (laughs) (laughs) Like if you're, if it's, is it an act of worship for you to truly be still? So this is. Could that be? Absolutely. I I think so. 12 years ago. And I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember the Lord saying, Jason, it's easy for you to sing. It's easy for you to emote and to raise your hands. Stop singing. Just be quiet and listen and be present with me. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was a sacrifice of praise. Yes. Yeah. A discipline, a sacrifice. It was. That can and, still be worship. And on the flip side, for those people who are like, well, I don't like to sing. That's why it's called a sacrifice. A sacrifice yeah. isn't something you want to do. It's something you choose to do that's going to cost you something. And on both sides, like, and I think this goes back to that spiritual elitism. One of the things that kills elitism is sacrifice. It's hard to be an elitist and be sacrificial at the same time. And I can even see, like, (laughs) thinking about confirmation still of, like, that's kind of a sacrifice for these these middle school yeah. freshmen high schoolers that are doing this. Or it's like I don't want to do it. No, but it is a sacrifice. Yeah. You know. But and I, I would say this: if you have a kid who's like, I'm not doing it. If we're so stalwart on that, or yeah, we're we're digging or no, you have to you do have this. To. And then all of a sudden, that kid never comes back to the church. Yeah. Okay. So now I don't yeah. think I've ever shared this. I went to um I went to Awanas. Before, yeah. when I was a kid before I was saved my friend invited me it's like dude we play games not a Christian not raised in the church and I had so many bad encounters with church as a kid mm-hmm. and I remember going to this and the leader we were memorizing the verses and I didn't know the verses yeah. and we, we were spending in our time we, we rehearsed it well I didn't understand and yeah. he yelled at me because I didn't know the verse it's like, mm-hmm. like maybe my first or second time there I'm like dude this place is stupid 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, I wanted nothing. I never went back. Yeah. And my friend went and I, they went to camp and he talked about it. But there was so much shame attached to you have to do this thing. Yeah. And then I remember I went to my, my buddy, Chris Luther. Man, I really had some tweaked out <laughs> interactions with churches again. When I would stay the night at my friend Chris's house, I was required, if I stay the night on Saturday, go to church with him. Otherwise, his parents wouldn't let me stay the night. And I went to confirmation, not knowing what it was. And I was talking in class, and the pastor flat out yelled at me. And I was like, and I had some other choice words to say at him in that moment. Again, not Christian. So let's say we have a kid who doesn't want to do that. Is it worth saying, you have to do this, and now he never steps foot in church or leaves the church? Because we're so set on it. Like, where's that line? And I don't want to lose a soul for confirmation. And that's what Paul's, right. that's exactly what Paul's talking about. That's why Paul in Acts. I don't Acts, want to lose a soul for circumcision. That's right. right. And that's exactly, so this, that's why these things are so important is, yeah, we have to draw, there are boundaries that we want to put up, but they have to be flexible boundaries based upon the person. Right. Like, is this going to be the thing that, the hill that you die on? Is yeah. this yeah. a hard line? Where it's like, yeah, you might have some kids that are maybe like, not wanting to like, oh, do I have to do my home, my confirmation? It's like, well, sometimes we do things we don't want to do all the time, but like, oh, can you okay. see the benefit? Where it's like, here, there's a soft place where you can do that. But if they're like, no, I don't want to do this. Okay, bud, that's fine. You don't have yeah. to do this. You know, like I always say in kids church, I will never make you pray, yeah. but I will ask that you be respectful in this class. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Period. You're not right, going to be yeah. talking while we're praying. And, you know, we do that. And you were raised Lutheran, right, John? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were raised... I was really not raised in the church. So you're like me then. When did when did you start coming into church, Jen? Probably well, maybe like seventh or eighth grade. So about, but okay. then but then not really high school I just attended youth group. I and, really didn't attend church. And was it it was evangelical free? Yes. Okay. And then you got saved here. Yeah, twenty four years old. Okay, so How five years ago, six years ago six, now? I'm going on six, so, and, years. And I, got, <laughs> and I got saved in a Baptist church. And so for those of us who were not raised in a Lutheran church with confirmation, I remember actually just looking at our members list because it talks about you have to have a confirmation yeah. date. Well, I don't have a confirmation date. Yeah. Not, not the traditional way. I didn't do that. Right. I was raised in a church that did that. And we have people who come to our church who were not raised Lutheran, who if we say, if you want to be a member here, you have to do this, they'll say that I'd rather not be a member. Because it's not that they don't love Jesus. They don't understand the value of it because they weren't raised in it. Yeah. And, and that's... Well, they can still be members. But voting members. They can't, voting be, member. they can't be voting members. And, and I, here's the thing. Are you really a member if you can't have a voice in something? And that's, I think that, that's part of the question that they ask. Because I, we have... And I love these people. And I'm like, that's why we do a modified confirmation, which really the purpose of confirmation is, do you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Yeah. And do you understand what that means when you say, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I believe this? And yeah. it's not necessarily the long class where you yeah. have to memorize all of Luther's memorize. catechism. And, yeah. No, and, yeah. but it definitely comes with some information of like, this is what we mean when we ask you this. Absolutely. And this is and I think that's an important Lutherans. thing I agree to too. have a voice in what happens to the future of our church. I think that's an important thing. I would want that to be an informed body that is having a say. Like, that's why it's like, I think of the people who would represent the the congregation, you know, like our council. I would want that to be an informed people that you do. Do you understand what's happening and what it's like? You know, and then if you're if we need other people, the next level of that would be the voting members. Like, do you understand what's happening here? Are you a participant in this? Do you attend these programs? Do you 
how how involved but see that's a different conversation though is i mean think about it for a second how many again going back to statistic how many kids once they're done with confirmation don't come back to church until they're adults and so and and this is why i bring this up is not to argue whether or not we should be confirmed is that this is actually very similar to what paul's dealing with and and really even the reformation i mean derek talked about reformation because sunday is reformation sunday and and it's talking about the role of Martin Luther and what he did with the Catholic Church and that we're always should be reforming in light of Scripture. Yeah. And even Paul, Scripture reforms us. We don't reform Scripture. Yeah. The only difference was this, is that Paul was writing Scripture. And so as he's writing things, like there are things that Scripture changed. That, that, and it's not because God changed. It's because it's a new covenant. Yeah. And so, and I think that's part of the struggle that was going on for those Jewish Christians, and even still today, I know some Jewish Christians who struggle with that, and Gentile Christians. Um, but when we look at this this idea of what gets in the way of the gospel for Luther, and this let's talk about uh, Derek's sermon on Sunday. Martin Luther was frustrated because a lot of the Catholic theology, but more importantly, their practices, were getting in the way of salvation. They were getting in the way of the gospel specifically around the issues of indulgences, which if you're not familiar with indulgence, um, the idea was this. And I actually, I heard this from a Catholic, a teen Catholic used this illustration. A teenager? A teenager. Oh, cool. A teenage Catholic. And she, they had just reinstated indulgences. This was like 2006, 2007. So they were not around for a while. So the idea is that when you die, you go to this place called purgatory. And what purgatory is, is purgatory is the place where all souls go to deal with the leftover remnants of their sin. And this was the illustration she used. Imagine you have a chalkboard, okay? Jesus erased all of our sin. If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord in Catholicism, if you say the Hail Marys, you go to confession, you can wipe off the chalk, but what's left behind? The dust. The dust. The dust is the problem. And that's what you're really working off when you go to purgatory. You're still saved, but you have to work through all the damage that your sin did. And they have this idea of a mountain. And at the top of that mountain is God. This is interesting from a Catholic point of view, because a lot of Catholics don't even know this. Mm-hmm. At the top of the mountain is God, is God the Father. And at the right hand of God the Father is the Son. And how you know that somebody has gone through purgatory and is now in the saints, in the communion of the saints, is that they have ascended the mountain and have gotten to the top with God. Now, here's the thing. Some people think Catholics pray to Mary. They don't pray to Mary. If I would say, Jennifer, would you pray for me? Am I praying to you? I'm asking you to pray for me. What they're really saying is, who has the son's ear better than Mary? So you're really, when you're praying to Mary, you're actually asking Mary to intercede for you because you don't have access to Jesus. And who has the father's ear better than the son? Mm-hmm. Well, so the way you know that someone has ascended purgatory, because if we all have remnants leftovers from our sin, you have to go through purgatory, which is different than hell. Purgatory is where Christians it's like a holding go. Place. It's it's even different than that though, because there's working off that takes yeah. place. That's why they use the mountain illustration. Um, because limbo is more of the holding yeah, place. Yeah, thank you. So limbo is the holding place. All I can think of right now though is Dante's Inferno. No, that's and actually the, very weird. comedy. That's where yep. it came from. Yeah. But well, Dante's Inferno came from the idea that there yes. are levels to hell. Okay, circles of hell. Well, the divine comedy is yes. all three. Yes. Um, so here's the idea, though, is then when you get to the top, and this is what Luther's ultimately rallying, railing against, is uh, you know when somebody has ascended purgatory, however many years that you're in there because of your leftover sins, 
is that when you pray to them, asking them to pray for you, if a miracle happens, it means that they're a saint because only saints have access to Jesus. So that's how they know when they make somebody a saint. If you pray and a miracle is done, it means they're no longer in purgatory because God can't hear the prayers or the, the petitions of those in purgatory. Okay, so in Catholicism, what was taking place was this, and this is so intriguing. Um, they were essentially, indulgences are a way to wipe off years off of purgatory. And you had to pay for indulgences. And they had with a physical money. Physical money. And they were doing it to build money or to build St. Peter's Basilica was really when the big thing was taking place. And they were going around and saying, listen, if you want your loved ones to get out of purgatory quicker, pay this money to get them out of purgatory. And if you pay enough, because now remember, Jesus gave the keys and authority of the kingdom to those who are in the priests. Now, Hebrews talks about the priesthood of all believers, that we are all priests now. And so the Catholic Church took advantage of that. And Luther's like, wait, let me get this straight. You're telling me that we have the authority, just as priests, to deliver someone from purgatory, and yet we're going to charge to do it. How is that the heart of Jesus? Yeah. And that's what started the 95 Thesis, is Luther's looking at this and going, this is corrupt. Yeah. If we really now, this first, is spiritual abuse. This is spiritual yeah. abuse, and here's the thing: there's no purgatory in the New Testament or the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I, I believe, there's some connection to it in the Apocrypha, but most of it was Catholic dogma. And and so one of the things, and I don't know if Derek talked about it on Sunday or not, but in Catholicism, you have uh, there's there's three legs to the stool. You have the the scriptures, you have the traditions, and then you have the the Holy Father or the See, Holy See, which is the Pope. Those three make up the authority of the church. And while scripture has ultimate authority, it's only through the interpretation of tradition under the papal authority, which means scripture does not actually have ultimate authority anymore because it's based upon yeah. the interpretation it's of the traditions. What someone has interpreted. And a person. And, and that's the person. what Derek talks about. He calls it like they were acting as if it was an equivalent. But even from this understanding, it's like, no, they're making themselves above. That's right. Yeah. Because, More than equivalent. And so it's still, they would still, and Catholics today, and I, I love my Catholic brothers and sisters. Let's be clear. I do not believe Catholics go to hell. I believe that there are Catholics who love Jesus and place their trust in Jesus. We just have some major theological differences. They're theological, not necessarily doctrinal. Um, because here's the thing. I believe there will be Catholics in hell and there will be Lutherans in hell. And Baptists in hell, because you're not saved because you're Catholic or Lutheran or Baptist, you're saved by faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So when, when the Reformation started, it started from this idea of, and, and Luther really just wanted a conversation with the Pope. That's all, the, the Wittenberg door was uh, kind of like our social media posts. It was the first Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you would post a comment and he wrote 95 challenges, 95 theses of things that he didn't agree with that were happening in the Catholic Church, that he simply wanted to have a conversation. He's saying, help me understand why we do these things. And the church, rather than having a conversation, they tried to have a couple, but it really wasn't a conversation. It was Luther, repent. Sure. Recant your statement. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now with all that, that's a little backstory. Sorry, that was a lot of information. (laughs) Sorry. But here's why this matters. I like the information, though. That's what we're talking about is being informed. Yeah, well, and and this this is part of it is because if, you know, Derek doesn't have time to go through all that on a Sunday morning sermon and still make it engaging. Yeah. <laughs> but now we should talk about indulgences. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and so so here's the thing. Oh, so the way this young teenage, this teenage girl described it is an indulgence is basically like taking a wet washcloth and wiping it across the board. 
and it's getting rid of the dust. And that's what you're doing in purgatory is every little dust particle you're working, trying to get rid of off that board from all the damages that you've done, you caused. Now, there are Catholics out there who are like, Jason, that's 100% wrong. Please correct me. But in all of my research and the individuals I've spoken to and read, that's the most accurate understanding I have of those things. When we look about the Reformation today, Derek gave a real good challenge. The Reformation isn't something that happened. It's a, something that's still happening. And I would ask, what do you guys think? What are some areas where God is maybe reforming Zion right now? Are there areas where you feel like God is kind of getting a hold of us and making us think and act differently and rethink why we exist? What do you guys think? I think two areas where I'm seeing it is, or where I'm, where I feel like I'm starting to experience it, which I believe culturally will start to trickle down is in the area of Sabbath mm, and the good. area of um, intentionality behind yeah. things where it's like, no, we don't just do stuff for the sake of doing it. Why are we doing yeah. it? Why are we doing this particular thing? Is this what the Lord's called us to do? Is this not what the Lord's called us to do? Yeah. yeah. Like, looking at the reason behind it and going, oh, actually, that's not a very good reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are we just doing it because it's something to do? A full calendar looks good. You know, that idea of, like, why are we doing what we do? What's the goal of this? And is your goal worth doing? You know what I mean? Like, that was something, that book that we're reading right now. Um, uh, Henry Nowen's book? Yeah. Yes. I can't remember what it's called right now. It's so that's sorry. okay. I Brain can't... fart. But anyway, in when I'm reading it, I read it. The way of the heart. Thank you. The way of the heart. Oh, it was gonna bother me. <laughs> but part of that that was like um, talking about: Do we Sabbath? Do we stop enough? Because that's all Sabbath means, right? The Shabbat to means to stop. Because right. actually, the Hebrew word for rest or lie down are different words. That Shabbat mm-hmm. really literally means cease, stop. Yeah. You know, I read that I was listening to the the Bible Project podcast on Sabbath. They have a they're re-releasing some of their best ones and it's so good. But anyway, that do we stop enough to think that all the things that we're doing, busy people getting rewarded for their busyness to, mm-hmm. by being busy, mm-hmm. do we stop enough to say, are these things worth doing? So if I could, if I could make an ad lib on a scripture, what does it profit a church to have all the programs and all the ministries and all the busyness and lose their soul? Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I think there's some truth in that. We can get so busy yeah. doing ministry that we forget the purpose of ministry is to point people to Jesus, not to more activity. Mm-hmm. And, and I, that, you know, uh, for those listening. So one of the things that we've implemented as a staff, have we started reading books together and we try and do a balance between leadership books and spiritual formation books, um, church growth books, that kind of stuff. And right now we're reading Henry Nowen's, and I think it's called the way of the heart. That sounds, that sounds right. right. Yeah. Um, and he, he deals with these three things, uh, silence, solitude, and prayer. Mm-hmm. And that too many of us are so busy. And he has, I don't know if you're there in the book yet, but one of the quotes I he has. It. Did you? The whole yes. book? Such a, yeah, it's, it's such a, a good book. book. Oh, it's so <laughs> But I'm going to reread it. That's impressive. Good yeah. for you. He has a quote. He said, um, we're so busy. At this, the, I'm going to butcher the quote. But too many of us talk so much that we say little. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that part where he basically yeah. talked about like our... It's the same thing the proverb says: a fool is known by his many words, or even just the clanging symbol. Yeah, you know, or it's like yeah. you're just talking you're just for the sake noisy. of talking. It's noisy. You're just noisy. Yeah. And Am I being noisy in my ministry right now, or 
am I being intentional? Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I think the problem with noise is that stifles your ability. What can you hear then? Yeah. You right. can't hear the gospel You can't then. hear the gospel. You can't yeah. hear God's leading. And you can't even hear your own mind think about I'm a distraction for my like, own goal yeah, right that's now. that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which right? is why can't. Sabbath is such a significant yes. part of the intentionality. Yeah. You can't hear the people that are with you either. Yes. If they're like, hey, can we try this or and here I am just symboling yeah. away like yeah. a monkey on a yep. on a wind up. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Those wind up monkeys. Yes, I, I'm just picturing like, you as a monkey on absolutely. a wind up. Absolutely. That's for Halloween Wednesday next night. year. I, I want you to be a monkey on a wind up. Only if John goes as the Phantom of the Opera. And then I'll be the monkey that he Deal. Deal. <laughs> well, but I, and I've been, I, you know, even this idea of formation. So think about these words reformation. Yeah. Reforming. Word mm-hmm. forming. But there's a lot of things. There's transformation, conform, uh, conforming, conforming, reforming, but then there's also deforming. Yeah. yeah. And I think what happens is sometimes in our church, we can get so caught up in holding on to the past. Um, and even for me, like, I, I never thought I'd be that guy who would, like, oh, I just miss singing the old songs. And I catch mm-hmm. myself saying that all the time now because when I was a kid, I'd hear that all the time. The 90s Christian worship? Well, no, no, not, those <laughs> I don't miss anymore. Like, Shine Jesus Shine. shine. If I, no, oh, if I never sorry. sing that song again. You said it, I thought you... No, but I remember when in youth group, we would sing songs and we would, they were all very simple. As the deer, um, he has shown the songs that were, you'd sing in youth group that you didn't need a lyric sheet for because they were that easy to sing, right? And then early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, there were songs I was like, oh, I love this song. And now all of a sudden I'm missing some of those moments because some of the new stuff for me just doesn't connect as much. But I used to complain about those older people that would just whine about the songs they weren't singing. I'm like, I'm becoming that guy. And, yep. But here's my point, though, is that if we hold on to the wrong thing, instead of reforming and letting God shape us, we get shaped by the things we hold on to. I think sometimes we twist the heart of it too. Like there is a beauty in a tradition. Like church tradition shouldn't yeah. be thrown out just because it is traditional. That's right. Just because an old, just because the song is old, doesn't mean it's doesn't not good. Doesn't mean it's not good. But right. why are you holding on to it? That intentionality too mm-hmm. is that part of that re- reformation of it. it's like. Why do we do the things that we do? Why was this a tradition in the first place? Yeah. What is the heart behind it? Why did they get to this good idea? Traditions are good as long as they don't become cement. Yeah. So there's a difference between something being cement and something holding something in place, right? And the purpose of traditions originally were to make sure that you stayed within so that we had a context. But the minute you cement it, it means you can never, you can no longer change that thing. Yeah. And you can't adapt it anymore. It's, it's solid now. That's right. Yeah. And the gospel never changes, but how we present the gospel continually changes. Yeah. The culture and context in which we do it always will. I think like too with traditions, you know, we want to be able to change it. But then when we start changing the tradition too, even then you can start to deform it. That's right. Even the danger of changing it. Why are you changing something? Like, yes, you want to be able to change. I'm not just the other side of it of like, no, there has to be an intentionality and an understanding that goes with it on both sides. You know, there's the too contemporary or too traditional. And it's like, but what are you doing and for why and for who? I think there's, if you're not still enough, yeah, no you'll never know that answer. And, or listening. No, you can right, be yeah. still and not listening. True. Like, yeah, that's true. I, I was meaning still Apathy plus yeah. listening. Yeah. 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 It's, um, and what, what, what Galatians is pointing to and what Derek pointed to with Reformation Sunday is the point of Galatians is Paul is saying, we don't want anything to get in the way of the gospel. Yeah. And if something's getting in the, if, if our gospel's getting in the way of the gospel, it means we have the wrong gospel. Yeah. <laughs> 
because there's only one right gospel. And when we start putting things, whether it be a building uh, or a worship style, um, even a Bible, right? I remember I when I was in my 18, 19, I liked this girl and her dad was a King James only guy. Mm-hmm. And every time I'd go over to his house, the whole thing was about him trying to convince me it was King James only. John and I kind of have a loving argument between each other of which Bible's best. He, he swears it's NASB, and I am an NIV girl. No, I, so to that point, to the point about tradition, <laughs> when I was in college, that was the Bible that most people used, just at, kind of as a joke, um, because I was a part of the Navigators, and it was just a co- Ooh, collegiate the ministry. Navigator. Yeah. Navigator and so NASB is one of the translations. It's a new American standard, standard Bible. Bible. Well, I always joke that it was the NAV all-star Bible. So that's why I just carried it around. And that was the Bible that I got for, you know, do you know, do you know why NASB is really popular among navigators? No, I did not. Yeah. So in Bible translations, this is totally nothing to do with the message, but in Bible translations, I think I know what you're going to say. So you have what's called a dynamic equivalent, a literal or a paraphrase. Oh, sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And the NASB is the closest to a literal translation. Yes, it's like a mm-hmm. word for word. Word for word. And the problem is, is that words are dynamic in nature. Yeah. And so the NASB, they're like, oh, it's the most accurate to word for word. But well, you lose context. So. And you're also assuming that it's the right translation of the yeah. word because just like our word cool or sick or dope can mean all different things. Yes. It's the same in scripture. And I was not taught that. When I was younger, I was taught like words were always very rigid and it's only in our context that words have yeah. multiple meanings. Right. No, it's always been that way. No, yeah. But and you- I, and I absolutely, when I, I had it, like I had it, but I was always reading like we we would look at verses in different translations to be like, yes. oh, this is another way to say this. And I like this, this like, this is also, this helped me understand, understand the, the yeah. context of it. Yeah. Um, but even with tradition, when we're talking about like getting in the way of the gospel, even with translations, we see that. Like well, yeah. the King James Version, when it's, yeah. it's tainted with politics then. And you see that. With every Bible is. Every Bible. And every, it's like yeah. that kind of stuff can get in the way. So how do you, how do you keep clear of that if you're not ever willing to be reformed to say that yeah. maybe I don't know it all. I think that's a great point. It's like you have to you have to be willing to be reformed. Yes. And willing to be I don't know if challenge is the right word, but like But yeah. Yeah, like well let's look at that. It's like it it shouldn't ever become a problem where it's like, oh we can't we can't use that translation. Or it's we gotta can't be the say, Lutheran Green book. It's yeah. the only proper book. Yeah. Well yeah, right, sure, sure. Yeah. I, we have to use this hymnal or we have to you know yeah one of the coolest things for myself that i read when i was researching for last sunday's message was this idea that your social factors affect your theology and your theology then affects your social factor and it becomes this secular thing where it's like you should always be reforming because things are growing and changing and processing differently and you see different perspectives and you see things in different lights as your life changes. Yeah. Well, so think about in the context of what's going on in America right now. Okay. So we've talked about this in the past. We've, I've never seen our country so divided in my lifetime in my 46 years of life. And I know it has been divided in other times. But there are there are actual studies out there right now of how the internet and social media and things like that have polarized. Well, incredibly, and in fact, Facebook counts on the polarization because um, I think they're going through litigations right now are. because of it. They are. But now think about how we approach the gospel and conversations that before we would just not give a second thought to. 
Um, the issues around sexuality and race, if we as a yeah. church ignore those conversations, we're going to be left behind and be irrelevant to a large portion of people who are coming in. And it doesn't mean, and this is where I think people get screwed up, and this is what Paul was dealing with, is, and even Luther, reforming does not mean we twist the gospel. Yeah, it yeah. means we go back to the heart of the gospel. Right. But we have to realize that as culture changes, we have to be willing to bring the gospel so that those people in it. So, um, and I'll be talking about this in a couple of weeks, but in the church, think about all the ways that the church gets polarized yeah. and all the statements we say, you can't be, you can't be a Christian if you vote Republican. You can't be a Christian if you vote Democrat. You can't be a Christian if, 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 yeah. and all those things like, wait, wait, last time I checked, Jesus never said that. Mm-hmm. And that's not the heart of the gospel. But how does the gospel shape us? And that's really what this comes down to is that we should always be being shaped in light of the gospel. And I think the danger is, and I'm going to step out on a limb here. Oh, boy. Uh Uh-oh, look out. Um, This is why we have to be careful when we don't read the Bible in context. Mm -hmm. Because the Old Testament, Jesus didn't come to get rid of the Old Testament, but to fulfill it. But you have a lot of Christians who like to quote the Old Testament when it comes to things like violence and and things that, particularly politics. If you're ever going to quote things political versus, it's usually from the Old Testament, not the New. Because Jesus, the gospel is political, but not the way you want it to be. Yeah. Because Jesus comes in and says, listen, uh, I come to bring a sword. Mothers and fathers are going to hate each other. Children are, are getting, brothers and sisters are not going to like each other. One of the more comforting passages from the New Testament. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, like that's, that's not. It's hard. It's a hard thing to read and to hear and go, oh. And okay. he wasn't there to make friends. No. Well, but even, well, but even think about, but think about that even when he, when he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God's what is God's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it will stand up for Christians. Because they're trying to corner him with politics. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's, and what's happening in the church today, the church is becoming more and more political. And the danger is, are we losing the gospel in the midst of that? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, my allegiance is to Jesus. And that's yeah. kind of what Jesus is saying there when they're like, oh, what about taxes? And he's like, Give to Caesar's. Why are you focusing on taxes? Your salvation's at risk. Yeah. Like, Whose image is on this coin? Yeah, give to Caesar with Caesar's. What about your soul? Yeah. Like, why are you dying on this hill? Why is this pol- this politic issue what you're worried about? You should be worried about other things. And that doesn't mean that politics aren't important or no. that the church shouldn't have a voice in them. But sometimes I think we might be losing ourselves. One commentary I'm reading on this talks about that what Paul was really dealing with was nationalism was that the Jews believed Israel was the superior nation and that in order to be a Christian, you had to be a, a Jewish nationalist. Jewish, yeah. a, a, not just a Jewish, but Jewish nationalist. Jewish. Ish. <laughs> it's funny. I'm, I'm English. Yeah. <laughs> Irish. That's all, there's and it's something so political about Americans just as a, a, as a whole of like how we say like, oh, yeah, I'm German. But you say that in like in Europe. They're like, oh, so you're from Germany. You live in Germany. Yeah. No, it's my heritage. That's such an American concept because we're such a young country. Like yeah. that, we don't we don't say that anywhere else in the well, world. We don't have an American-ish. No, <laughs> you say I'm an American, but my my grandfather's um, you know immigrated over from. Where if I'm anybody actually going. would be Irish, it would be Americans because <laughs> yeah. we're ish about a lot of things. Like I'm English, <laughs> kind of Irish, kind of English. But anyway. this goes back to this idea of. What's getting in the way of our gospel? And I do think that as we read these scriptures and we read Galatians, these are really timely books for what's going on in our nation right now. 
this is why the Word of God still speaks to us today, is I think about the issue of critical race theory, um, the issue of sexuality, sexual identity, LGBTQ, AI, and several other initials that I don't know them all. Plus. And the Bible does have something to say about it, but neither side is actually going to like what it has to say. And I think that's the thing is sometimes we assume, we assume that the Bible is always on our side because we've bought into one thing and yet we forgot, for instance, yeah, I believe the Bible has a pretty clear sexual ethic, but do you still love the gay man? Mm-hmm. Do you still allow, do you still make that transgender person feel as though they're loved and wanted and a God who belong. that they belong? Mm-hmm. Or do you just hold to your verse? No, it was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Like think about all the things that, that will, will latch onto something, forgetting that, when God's word is done correctly, it should always push us, no matter what side we're on. And I'm still reading and going, oh, God, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, you, can you not put that in? Can I do the Thomas Jefferson thing and just cut out the portions of the scripture that push me too much or I don't <laughs> right. like? Yeah. I, I always think of, uh, I think it's Romans 5.8 that says, but Christ demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners. And I think I'm, there may be a translation that says, while we were still Far as far from God as we yeah. possibly can be, you know that's the point. It's like we didn't wanted nothing to do with God. Christ died for us, and He reached out to us even though we didn't belong, we didn't believe, we were. We as, were becoming something that we, we were never becoming something that we, yeah, we, yeah, exactly. All of us are becoming something. That's right. Yeah, that's, we're all. You're being formed you're by being something. Formed. That's right, and you're that. being reformed by something. Absolutely. You're being formed, transformed, deformed. Uh, yeah. Formation happens whether or not, yeah. By what? And you can either be by the person and character of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, through God's Word, or it can be something else. And, and this goes back to, again, why I choose to believe in Scripture, is that I, when I look at who Jesus is and the person I'd rather be, I'd rather look like that than anything else. Mm-hmm. The message of Jesus makes the world make more sense to me. It makes my life make sense to me. It doesn't mean I do it perfectly. Yeah, it was really hard. I was going to say, like, if you're if you're trying to, uh, if you're trying to reflect that image of Christ dying for people who are far as far away from Him as they possibly can be, that's really hard. <laughs> it's like I don't want to do that for so and so people that maybe the people that I know. But not the, the that are like polar me. political opposite. Not the people that are or the people who make me uncomfortable. Uh huh. And and it's so easy to go. Oh, I'm not this, and I'm not that. But then think about the things that, you know, I'm not a racist. Mm-hmm. Okay, what does that mean? Or I'm not sexist, or I'm not homophobic. Whatever. All the things we'll say we're not. And I think it's so easy to push against and deny something instead of saying, Are there parts of my life that I've still not surrendered to Jesus that maybe need some reforming? Maybe need some reforming, and on both sides. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting, even that word sinner, mm-hmm. that is, that's a Christian connotation. What does that mean? And I love yep. when you said far away from God, Yeah, because that's, I think that's really the heart of what Romans 5, 8 is, is that while we were still, well, we wanted nothing to do with God because we know what we mean by sinner, but you say that to somebody who's not a Christian yeah. and it can be a very offensive term. What do you mean I'm a sinner? It's like, you're calling me a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you think I'm garbage? Cool, thanks. thanks. <laughs> Welcome to Zion. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm trash. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. So am I. So am I. But Welcome, trash compactor, Zion. <laughs> you were going to say something, Jennifer. Sorry. I, no, I don't know. Did you forget it? Yeah, That's it, okay. wasn't, it wasn't anything. Well, this has been a, a really good conversation. Yeah. And, um, and I think when we look at this, as we're coming up and we're continuing Galatians, my hope and desire as a pastor, 
but also as someone who's trying to be formed myself, is that as we're studying and as we're, we're reading and preaching through Galatians, because this isn't just teaching, it's preaching. Like, we want people to understand the gospel. There are people who are not Christian, who are un, not Christian yet. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-Christian. Pre-Christian. Yeah. Um, or as, as Gabe Lyons and David Kinneman from Barna Group say, un-Christian. There are some people who just choose not to be. Yeah. Because they, they want nothing to do with the politicized version of Christianity. I love that Derek is reminding us that the Reformation should still be happening. Yeah, I love that challenge. And that yeah. do we as a church, are, how, do our programs reflect what we're trying to be as believers? And even our three values, belong, believe, become, I believe that's part of our Reformation. I think our focus on community and mission is part of our Reformation. I think this focus on reminding ourselves that we need Sabbath, that we need rest, not just recovery, is part of this Reformation. And I would dare say, even the work that we do with the Enneagram, there are some people who believe the Enneagram is evil and wrong, and I've had some conversations, (laughs) and it's like anything else. It's a good tool. It's a tool. But it should always bring us back to the gospel. The Enneagram doesn't save us, but I believe, and I'll tell you the work that's happened in me, as I've gotten to know the gift of my personality that God made me, I realized how often I can lean into that personality and now it becomes a curse. Mm-hmm. And there's a reforming. Yeah, there's. it points out things in me that I don't know if I'd ever really look at. Yeah, I would deal know? with otherwise. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's that idea of that I have to come to that conclusion myself. Jennifer can look at me and be like, hey girl, you look at this. And I might take it with a grain of salt. Sure, thanks. But when I say, wow, I need to look I at this. I see that. It comes with a different kind of weight. I remember Jennifer when we first started talking about the Enneagram. You're like, "Why are we talking about this so much?" Um, <laughs> yeah. Still, sometimes <laughs> we actually haven't talked about it a lot in the last year. It really hasn't come up a no, whole it hasn't, lot. It hasn't. No, and it is a it is a helpful tool. Yeah, but it's it a is, tool, but it is not the gospel. That's right. And yeah. I think, I think, I think that's for me where I was like, "Are we sure that this is not an idol?" Yeah, yeah. you know. But, and some people, I mean, it's amazing how many idols we have. That's a whole different yeah, conversation that's, yeah, we can conversation get into. Day, but, well, hey, yeah. I hope if you found this encouraging, do us a favor. Um, and really, if you're listening to this right now, we're so thankful for all of you faithful people that are check us out every week. Last time I heard we have about 50 people every week who listen, which is awesome. It's so fun when people come up and be like, hey, I listened to your podcast. You are so yeah. great. And I said, like, you listen to that? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> and it surprises me some of the yeah, people I, I would. I know. Oh, no. So, so thanks for listening. But here's what would bless us, because we really believe we're doing this not just for our 50 people, but we're trying to find another way to connect with other people. Yeah. You found this encouraging. One, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, but also, uh, if you want to share it, share it with friends. And and again, we're looking forward to the future. And it is coming. We are going to do a Q&A. I got to figure out how we're going to do that. But one where we just take a bunch of questions that people have and try our best to answer them. So, well, hey, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. Jennifer. I'm John. Ah, this Kate, I got panicked. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown. You just. Oh, God, I love you. <laughs>